everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 262, an update episode. Yeah. Yes, 262 episodes and 362. I think I said 260, 362. Holy smokes. So 362 episodes in, and we still have stuff to update about. So uh, if you don't follow our podcast normally, the way we typically do things is every other Wednesday, we have a different format of our podcast. So uh, our update episodes, we kind of talk about things that are going on in the reselling world in general, uh, kind of what we're doing reselling, some random stories, fun garage sale stories, those types of things. Plus uh, the news, like what's happening in the reselling world. What are the eBay updates? What's going on with Amazon, USPS, all that type of stuff. Uh, and then we get to share some sweet bolos. So things you should be on the lookout for the stuff that sells for a lot of money. Uh, so that's what we're doing right now. This is our update episode. So uh, how's it going, Orlando? I, you know, it, it's going. I mean, it, it's, you know, happening. <laughs> that's all I can, I can really say. It's just, it's an interesting time in reselling right now. Wait, because, can I pause you for a second? Yeah, yeah. That, that uh, you don't sound super enthusiastic about, is it reselling right now? Like, I feel like it was just like, it's happening. It's, it is. I mean, this is the reality we're in. You know, it, it's, I, I, can't, I can't explain it, but I, I feel right now, like I'm in this place, I'm smiling right now, but I'm probably dying inside. <laughs> but there, there's no, there, there's no winning, right? I, I feel like the economy is rough, right? Um, California, like everything's gone up in price, right? My my electricity has gone through the roof. Gasoline's going back up. Uh, I don't know if you caught these on social media. There's people that have like their um, Walmart orders from like 2020 online, and they order the same things that they ordered in 2020 in 2023 and then what they find out is they're paying like 27 to 30 percent more now for the same amount of stuff like that's a wow. huge difference yeah it really is right and so you know i i'm i i'm good i'm good I, i'm good like the guy in the in that meme where all the everything is burning up around him and like i'm yeah, good it's I'm, fine <laughs> it's fine that's where i'm at but but hey you know what you just got to go day by day we just got to make things happen uh, I, I've really taken this attitude of, of take no prisoners. Uh, I, I, I am going all in. I am not stopping. I will not give up. I will continue working hard. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to make it through this. Uh, I haven't felt this energized since probably the beginning of the, po the podcast. Like in the beginning of the podcast, do you remember that? Like every day I was posting like 20 Instagram stories, four posts on Instagram. We were recording two podcasts a week. I was sourcing every day. I was listening every day. Like it was crazy. And right. we saw the results of that. And so now I've been pushed up against the wall and it's basically like, you know, fight or flight. And, and I'm going to fight. Like I am not, I'm not stopping. And so I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker, but if, if, if you're out there and you're reselling it and all, all you're doing is doom and gloom and just sitting around and wishing things would get rebound, get to action, get going. Cause that's, that's the only thing that's going to make things happen right now. So let me give you an update. Uh, haven't been sourcing much. Uh, and, and it's not cause I haven't tried. I would say the last two weeks of garage shows were, we're terrible, just terrible, but that's okay. I, yeah, San Diego has this thing, and I've talked about it before, and I'll say it again. Whenever it's more than 90 degrees, people are like, oh, no garage sales. Like, it's time it's time to end it. And so that, that's kind of how it's been the last two weeks. But that haul I had from three weeks ago, you know, with the Game Boy Advance boxes, it's gone in stages. So stage one was get all the Game Boy Advance boxes listed and super profitable. Stage two was get all the manga listed. And I've learned a lot about manga. I, I came across a one piece gold foil. It has like gold lining on the bottom, whatever. And I had a lot of first prints. Nice. And so I had those. Um, there were some, you know, some Dragon Ball Z. I even had Scott Pilgrim and whatever. I don't think that's manga, but I had different book sets and, and they're moving. They're, they are definitely moving. So I've been learning that stage three of the haul 
I ended up picking up a bunch of random vintage toys. Like think of going into your kids like toy box. You know how that toy box has every single toy imaginable mm-hmm. all into different pieces. Like that's what I bought. I bought like four boxes of those of toys from the late 90s, early 2000s. So there's like Polly Pockets in there. There was a, a I don't know what they're called, like a pillow friend or whatever. Like they're worth money. Uh, DJ Tanner and Full House had one of them. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but um, it's Small Soldiers. Do you remember the Small Soldiers movies? Yeah. That franchise. There's that a bunch good. of Small Soldiers in there. So I'm. that's the next phase. And so I have to go through that. So the reality is I haven't had to source because I've had all that inventory. So I've been working through that and that's been fun. Uh, and at the same time, it's kind of crazy. I have three instances where people are like, hey, Orlando, I know you're a reseller. Here's some things. So <laughs> one story is I, uh, I had a meeting with uh, the, the families that I homeschool, uh, teach, you know, history. And uh, one of them says, hey, I got all these uh, great books. Uh, is it the great books? Yeah. You know, those like audio things from Harvard. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they had like three boxes full of them and they're not worth a lot of money. They're maybe worth eight to 10 bucks a piece if you're lucky and they sit forever. But somebody was like, Hey, I heard you saw on eBay. Uh, do you want these? I'm like for free. They're like, yeah, just take them all. So I, I took all of those. And then a few days later, uh, my mechanic that works on my brakes, uh, he kind of felt bad because something happened where my, my hood cap wasn't put on all the way and it kind of fell off on the road and, and so I, I told him, like, don't 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 give me anything for that. Like, it's what happens. You always give me a great deal. You take care of things. I'm not I'm not stressed about it. He's like, no, come on by. And he gave me like some VW engine parts. He's like, you want to sell these? I'm like, sure. He's like, you know, how, how about 100 bucks, you know, for each of them? I'm like, how about we do 50 50? He's like, sure, let's do 50 50. And I don't do consignment, but the profit was good enough that it's worth my time. Like, it literally took me five, 10 minutes to, to list. It's going to take me maybe 30 minutes to pack and I'm going to make over a hundred bucks on each of these when they sell. So that was good. Then I had another one today. I had somebody text me, uh, and said, Hey, do you know, are, are you interested in vintage national geographic, which I know there's not a lot of money, but they're like, you know, you can come pick them up. Here's the lockbox code. Just come to this property over here. So tomorrow, uh, and I'll post this if it's good on the next update on Instagram. Uh, I'm just going to go to some random house and source for free. So always share that you're a reseller. And then last of all, and I'll move on, uh, sales. Sales have been interesting. So I'm selling 20% less than usual, which is bad, but I'm making the same amount of money. And so my average sale price has gone up. But the amount of items on shipping on the daily have gone down, which I can't complain. Actually, that's better, right? Like, you're you're working less and making the same amount of money. But it was scary to me today. I was talking to my buddy who has an MBA, and he was talking to me about like you know age inventory, and you should you know sell through your age inventory, and and it's better that you get fifty percent off now than you know hundred percent later. And I'm like, I, I've already done this, and I said, do you realize I've been on fifty percent off since February? And I'm still making the same amount of money. I'm just, that means basically I'm working more for the same amount. But again, we got to do what we got to do, make it happen. So anyways, that's my update. Howard, thanks for you, man. Uh, Yeah, I mean, pretty good. I mean, kind of like you guys uh, out there in California, the heat is is up here in Texas and it's, it's worse here. Um, I'm sure there are garage sales. I'm just, <laughs> it's one of those things where like, I don't want to go out when yeah, it's yeah. over a hundred degrees by the time it's nine o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm sure most people aren't doing garage sales. There may be a handful, right? But it's just one of those things like, is it worth giving up a Saturday morning? Because you got to do a cost-benefit analysis. I mean, that's one of the things, um, I'm sure we've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast, but a cost-benefit analysis is essentially, uh, or or even think about like opportunity costs. Like, what am I giving up? Like, what is it going to cost me? And what am I going to gain in return? And the reality is, I mean, maybe when you don't go to a garage sale, you don't know what you're missing out on, but you can based off of experience, you can kind of guesstimate. So you can say like, Hey, if there's four or five garage sales total that I can go to in a morning, I can potentially make X amount of money, but I'm going to give up a whole morning because I have to drive everywhere and there's not going to be many of them and competition is going to be higher. So it's just, to me, it's not worth it. I'm going to kind of wait until the the temperatures cool off a little bit here. So what I've been doing instead, um, it's kind of weird that the bins 
the first, you know, 350 some odd episodes of the podcast, like neither one of us really had done the bins. You've yep. done it a couple of times. Um, we've, we've, we've had interviews with people who that's what they do. Like we know a lot of resellers that, mm-hmm. um, are primarily at the bins or spend a lot of time at the bins. Uh, that just hasn't been our model of reselling. And it's weird that, um, now that I'm here, at least temporarily, I'm, I'm kind of the bin guy. Like that's where I've been sourcing. That's how I've been. Yeah. So it's just, and again, I'm not like an expert by any means at the bins. I'm not even spending that much time at the bins. Um, it's just a little bit of time stop on my way home from work, a few minutes here and there, kind of see what they've got. Um, I still am preferring hard goods over the, uh, the clothes, which will work to your (sighs) advantage. I'll share that later. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely could. Um, it's but even still like going to the hard goods it's not like it's cleaner i think maybe uh than going through the clothes but you're still digging through a lot of trash and by the time i get there like i'm usually not like hitting very many like brand new bins are rolling out and i'm fighting over those uh so i'm kind of digging through what's probably already been picked through by a lot of people but it's amazing what people will leave behind and um you kind of look at these bins like like, you know, if you were to take, uh, I don't, I'm sure there's a word for it, but if you were to take like a thing of rocks and like a, a glass, like the smaller rocks, if you shake it, are going to work their way to the bottom, the bigger rocks kind of the top, like little things kind of work their way to the bottom of stuff. Right. And so what I've kind of discovered is all the big stuff sits on the top of the bins. People dig mm-hmm. through that. But if you're willing to move that stuff aside and get down to the little things, like I'll give you an example. Um, just yesterday I went to the bins and I picked up a, a little tiny, I wish I, I've got it in the other room. I should have brought it over here, but a little tiny metal figurine. At first I saw it and I thought maybe it was a Dungeons and Dragons miniature. Um, and I looked at the bottom and it had like a, a print. I think it's like MFWP. I, I might've had that wrong. 1993, something like that. And so I look it up and I see that these are like a, like a, an artist makes these. These aren't just like mm. for, for, uh, gaming. These are for like display. And this one is like a native American on a horse with like, like a spear and it's all metal, really cool looking thing. Kind of, um, anyways, I, I can describe it forever. It's, it's, it, it sells for like 25 bucks, not a huge profit, but it was just sitting there and it had worked its way to the bottom. And so if you're willing to do those kinds of things, you're willing to dig a little bit. Again, I'm not spending more than 15, 20 minutes on my way home from work. I'm tired. I'm beat. I want to be home, but just a quick stop in and you can make, 25 to 50 dollars on just finding a couple of random things here and there and just think like if i'm there even if i only do that twice if i make a hundred dollars a week for an extra hour of work by the time you list it all maybe an hour and a half of work that's still a pretty decent return like i'll take that all day long and again the nice thing is i'm going fast i'm just looking for what i'm looking for and then i'm getting out um I found some weird things uh, when I buy stuff like that, since they do pay by the pound. Like when I bought that little miniature figure, that's all I bought. And so they put it on the scale to see if it would register. And it's obviously not going to register as a pound. And so they had a minimum value. So it was like a dollar I had to pay for that. But then I was thinking, so if I would have thrown like a handful of like clothing items in there that would have brought it up to a dollar or a pound, I would have only paid like a dollar 60 total. So I'm thinking like, I wonder how many people like, Cause if they're rounding it up to pounds, like you could potentially end up, or maybe it's half pound. I'm not sure what they round it to. Uh, but I was thinking I kind of actually left a little bit of money on the table. I probably could have thrown a few things in there and actually got out with that item a little bit cheaper. So not, not the end of the world, but, um, just little things like that. It's been kind of, it's fun. It's interesting, uh, different environment than a thrift store for sure, but it's oh, yeah. still the thrift store stuff. You know what I mean? Like you're still seeing the same things I would see at a thrift store. Um, and in fact, in the random story, I'll talk about that a little bit with the pricing that I'm seeing there, uh, with some of the tags that are on, on those goodwill bins. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good. I've been enjoying it. Um, and I, I, I remember one of our, maybe it was somebody in our discord mentioned, uh, I think it was in our discord might've been on, on YouTube comment, but they were kind of explaining how they'll just spend all day at the bins and they're looking for clothes they sit there they're there for like six hours and after six hours of work they can like expect to make about 250 to 300 dollars in profit and when we're used to going out to a garage sale it's like i can go to some garage sales and i can make a thousand dollars in profit potentially in just a couple hours of work yeah but that's not that's not something you could do every day of the week but if you can go to a thrift store for six hours and almost guarantee that you're walking out with 300 dollars in profit or to the bins 
And then let's say it takes you another two hours to list those things that you picked up and then to ship out the things. So you still are working eight hour days, but you're making $250 to $300 a day. That's a really decent like hourly wage compared to what a lot of people are making. So it's still not a bad thing. Like it doesn't sound great to, to say like, oh, I only made $250 like all day at the thrift store. But hey, $250 for eight hours of work. It actually it turns out to be pretty decent pay. Yeah, I think some things play into that because I, I have contemplated. I think I mentioned that to you one time, like this this plan I had. I don't know if I suggested it to you for you to do it or from that I wanted to do it. But I was contemplating once a week going out to the bins out here and sourcing for like five hours and then doing it wasn't it wasn't five hours. It was like two hours and then sourcing as much. And I will say the more, you know, the better you'll be at the bins. Like if you're just starting off, it has to be brutal at the bins because with all the chaos and everything going on and then I don't think there's a place for a cell phone at the bins. That's my I, I mean, I the times I've gone, like if you have a cell phone, like you're just losing money's getting pulled out from in front of you. At least that was my experience at the San Diego bins. Uh, but my thoughts were like, you know, our closest is an hour away. So you drive an hour, soar for two or three hours, drive an hour back do a whatnot auction, spend an hour or two and then spend an hour or two packing. And that's like an eight hour day pretty much. And if you can pull in $300 a day, you know, do that five days a week, 1500. It's not, it's not a ton. Like overall, like for California, you're talking about like 72 grand a year. All right. That's before taxes. And so, you know, maybe you'll be able to rent a studio, but you know, it's still like, it's a viable model, especially if you're part-time, like if you're living at home or or you're able to find a way to, to you know cut your expenses, yeah, I definitely think the bins were to go were, are the way to go. If I had bins, how close are yours? I mean, it, the the thing is that they're on my way home from school, okay, right? Okay, they're okay. on my way home from work, so like I don't have to. I literally don't have to drive. Yeah. even two seconds further, I just stop. Like, so but zero you're, miles, but you're, you know. But you know, you have time with your kids and your wife. Like that's yeah. more valuable than the time right. you would spend there. You know, so if sure. I was, oh, of course. So if I was part time, you know, I probably would, you know, just spend 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes because I want to get home to the wife and kids. I mean, I'm working. But if I was full time and it was like 10, 15 minutes away, I'd probably live there. You know, that honey hole that we know about here in San Diego, <laughs> if it's, I haven't been there in months, uh, but there's the same people there every single day, every day. Right. And that's what they do. You know, I don't know where they sell. Uh, I think they do. I think they do a lot of swap meet, but. That's one way to do it. So yeah, all right. I, I when I go out there, we're gonna go to the bins. We, we should do a YouTube video of us. The do they allow cameras in there? In that one? Uh, I mean, I don't see are why we not. Be I, I haven't really tried to beat down. Uh, I don't think we're gonna get beat down, but uh, they might. They might tell us no. I, I think it'd be fine. It's one of those things. It's better just to ask for forgiveness than permission. You know. <laughs> the one in San Diego, I was gonna get beat down. Like it was. It was bad. By by the employees or by other the uh, people, customers? man. They were like, get that camera out of here. Get it down. Like no camera. Like I was like, whoa. Nah, it seems pretty chill here. I mean, there's people who are intense. You could tell they're there all day long. Now, this was uh, two years ago. Bad. But remember, it's I told bad. you there were like little gangs there, like like little families. Right. Like you don't no, go into you this don't place go is into nice. this area. <laughs> no, they've, they've made it like really nice here where I'm at. Like they have like uh, I mean, they've, they've redone the whole thing. It's still still a thrift store basically you know it's the smell and the environment <laughs> and the people it's not like but they've got like vending machines and really nice bathrooms oh, and like nice. there are people and t tables so like people will like do their their shopping they'll they'll wait for the bins and i think what some people do like you mentioned there's no place for phones like what some people will do is they'll just if they think they got something good they'll throw it in their cart and then once they've kind of picked through that bin then they'll go and they'll look through their basket and throw stuff back that they decide they don't want because you might be waiting another half hour, hour before the next bin comes out. And in the meantime, you can be researching, going through and looking through the the ones that haven't just been brought out. So, um, I, I mean, there's still a place for it. And then the cool thing, too, is if you're if you're kind of hawking the stuff people are throwing back, people miss stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, all the time, all the time. Guaranteed. So what I mean, the, the longer you've been doing or the more knowledge, you know, the better you'll be at the bins, you know. So, hey, here's one thing that will help you and cut out your your need to do certain things and that's my reseller genie so if you're stressing out like for me like this this last few weeks one of the reasons i'm kind of like ah i'm just living is I, i'm working on my taxes right now 
And it's never fun. And my reseller genie, though, definitely cut out a lot of the legwork. You know, it, it cut out my having to research my cost of goods. It cut out, you know, how much did I make here? It cut out, you know, how much shipping fees were. Because what my reseller genie does is it imports everything from eBay. It allows you to itemize stuff. It's a great tool. So if you use my reseller genie and you're a reseller and you're worried about that $600 threshold, once you start collecting, check it out. You, we can use our code Pure Hustle. You'll get 15% off the first month. Again, go to the link below, my reseller genie, use our code Pure Hustle, and you get 15% off the first month. All right. So random story. Do you want me to tell you like, uh, okay, do you want like a story about something Orlando messed up on? Do you want to hear a crazy story that I heard from another guy at a garage sale? I mean, if the crazy sounds good, but it almost sounded like I heard a story from a guy who yes. heard about the story from another that, guy that, who the, had okay, a sister it, who had a dream about a guy. <laughs> is it like that or is it's, it like, it's we, like we that, but, but it's a crazy. So, okay, I'm just going to tell you. So I went to the garage sale and there was all these chargers collectibles and I do well chargers collectibles. So I, I'm always looking to buy and it was kind of funny. Uh, I can't remember his name, but I met another reseller there. And it was crazy. There was like 15 people waiting for the garage sale to open. And this is an estate sale, the garage sale. And they're like, all right, we're ready to go. And everybody's like moving. And I moved to the back where the charger stuff was. And I asked the guy, I said, hey, is this from your personal collection? He's like, yeah. He's like, but I used to be a lot bigger than this. I'm like, oh, yeah, what, what happened? You know, I'm thinking he's like, you know, sold it or donated. He's like, oh, man, I got robbed. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you know, um, my my mother passed away and I think it was his mother. My mother passed away and we were at a funeral and during the funeral, 14 of our homes got robbed and they went in and stole all our collectibles. And I'm like, what? Wait, he said 14 of our homes? Yes. Like the what entire family, while they're at the funeral, robbers invaded their houses. That's, that's that's awful. I mean, that's one of those things. I mean, it's hard because you got to put on you got to put on social or no, you don't have to put on social media. But people post like when somebody's yeah. passed away because they want you know friends and family to know like here's the date of the funeral, here's where it's gonna be. But there's like a reason why people say like if you're going on vacation, don't post it. Don't be like I'm gonna be gone for the next week because you're letting oh, yeah. people know. But you know, this is again, why I won't do a garage sale at my house. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with a garage sale at your house. I mean, you could potentially be showing people what you have. I, I get that. But um, it, it's more of like even even people on your friends list on social media are friends of friends. Like you don't know who you can trust. And so if somebody knows you have something and they know you're not home. Um, and so it, it had it, to be an inside job. It, well, yeah, it has to be somebody who knows everyone in that family knowing everybody is occupied. Also, I know where they all live because. Yeah, people aren't going to know, even if it's like, hey, everybody's at, you know, so-and-so's funeral. But, uh, man, that sucks. That's like a like, mafia movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's something like, it was just crazy. And, I, and I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. they all, all 14 of our homes got robbed at the same time while we were at the funeral. And then I had the dilemma of, do I try to haggle with this guy? <laughs> and so, you know, I still made it, I still made a deal with him. But uh, <laughs> it just it was one of those where I'm like, dude, like, you know, it's funny. I, I've thought about this before because, you know, what if somebody goes into my house? Because my son all the time, you know, my son all the time goes like, hey, you know, um, what would you somebody broke into our house? And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm looking right now at a at a big box of Dragon Mega Blocks. I mean, if they want it, have at it. Like, what are you going to do with the Mega Block? Like, I don't have anything valuable but if i started collecting collectibles like really good collectible because this guy when i was talking to him he had stuff you know like vintage charger stuff like dan fouts and a lot of signed stuff jerseys and everything he told me like it all it all got stolen and so to me it was a warning as a reseller like be careful what you flex online uh, i'm very careful on my instagram stories i usually don't post until i'm home like, I'll never say I'm on a road trip. I used to in the early days, but I won't do that anymore where I'm on a road trip, like out of the state and go like, hey, I'm over here, blah, blah, because all, what, I'm, what am I communicating? That I'm not home. And uh, like recently I was in Seattle with my son and I went, I went thrifting and I posted it on Instagram, but I waited a whole week. Like no one knew I was 
I was in in Seattle, and and again, you know, people are welcome to steal all my old shoes, and my you know, <laughs> my vintage Chucky doll, and and you know, I I don't like there's what are, you got to be able to fence the stuff. So, there might be a way to it might be a way to offload some of that inventory that doesn't sell. You know, it's like <laughs> you just you, you just you file a you file an insurance claim for your business uh, property that has been stolen, and you know, put it up. I mean, claim market value. Of course, I'm not. Was it was it Pee Wee Herman? What was the movie where like they were gonna like rob the person and it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Or is like prepare? You lost me at Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I thought it, it might not have been Pee Wee Herman. It might have been Big something else. But I, <laughs> no, maybe I don't know. But there was a thing where it's like they needed money, so it's like, all right, you're gonna rob this like this store and then like, but tell them I sent you and then like, they'll give you all the money and they're going to write it off as like an insurance thing. It was like a, but then somebody forgot to tell that he was coming. And so the lady like started shooting at him or something anyways. But like, I mean, so there's insurance fraud, but like it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like I know people who've like had like a house burned down or who've had a major car accident and they actually end up like better off because of it. I I, I personally know people who've had that happen and they ended up way better off after the fact. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I'd hate for stuff to get stolen. I mean, especially if you had like a collection, it's like hard to prove. Like, I mean, how do you prove like I had this Charizard that was worth this much money? You know, like that's tough. But if you've got like inventory, you're using something like my reseller genie. And it's like, here's the inventory I have. Here's what it's listed for. Here's what ah, I typically make in a year. You know? my reseller genie. Yeah, right. <laughs> so go. like, it, it's just that protection. You know, you got some business insurance, or you've got homeowners insurance, depending on your homeowners insurance. Like, check what you have. I mean, this might be just again. We, Orlando well, and I are not experts on a lot of this stuff. No. Like, I'm not going to provide any advice on like how to, like, what your insurance should 100% look like for your business. But spend some time and look into it. Like, maybe your homeowner's insurance or your renter's insurance covers. And if it doesn't, like, maybe that's an option. Maybe you pay a little bit extra for your premium, but they'll cover a certain percentage of like business expenses if stuff gets flooded. I mean, your house can flood. It's not even just robbery. Like, your house could flood yeah. or you could have a fire. So, yeah, it's just wise to have that kind of. Just thinking the worst could happen. Are you prepared? Yeah, and just just be careful. You know, I I, I say it all the time. I, I, I grew up, you know, in not the best of neighborhoods. And it wasn't like terrible where I grew up. It really wasn't. But stuff got stolen. I grew up in San Francisco. And people talk about theft in San Francisco now. That's been like a thing since I was born. Like in, in, my, in my 20 years in the Bay Area, like I grew up in the Mission District. And like, I can't tell you how many times my car got broken into or you know somebody stole stuff. I remember one one year I, I had a '82 Cadillac uh, Coupe de Ville, sweet lowrider, and I would put my car cover on it, and somebody stole my car cover. Like seriously, like that's that's how we're gonna be. Like you're gonna steal my car cover. So you know, always be careful what you post on social media. Always be careful who you share things with. You know. You, you just never know. I, I felt bad for the guy. I did have a conversation. I empathized with the guy because I, I felt terrible. I've had stuff stolen. Um, I had a nine in the 90s. I had just trench coat uh, starter parka jacket uh, that I took to school and I had around my arm and a guy just came out and just snatched it from my arm. And, you know, I haven't been a track star. So the guy was Audi and, and there went my starter jacket. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had a I had a. a- skateboard that i worked all summer to save up for stolen yeah, the guy goes let me show you a trick i'm like okay and he grabbed it and took off <laughs> bro that guy, i hope that guy ended up falling off a bridge <laughs> we caught him no we what, caught him what? we caught him so I, oh, yeah, yeah we uh we, we called the police well we caught him but we called the police my dad did a bunch of research he found out like what they thought the guy's name was and where he thinks he lives and oh, nice. I, it was funny i was a seventh grader and the police like took it serious like they went and they found the guy and they got my skateboard back i feel like the guy the police officer and his partner were probably like just felt bad for like a little kid who like Worked all summer for this thing, but yeah. Anyways, we're off topic now. Uh, so my random story is not about my element skateboard being stolen when I was in the seventh grade, but it is about. Uh, so when I'm at the bins, one thing I've noticed is I always kind of assumed a lot of the stuff at the bins are probably just stuff that never made it to the thrift stores, and then you know some of it is stuff that was at the thrift stores for a long time, and then they're they're just trying to offload it. So I, I feel like it's probably a mix of the two. Um, I haven't been convinced otherwise. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but what I found interesting is because a lot of the stuff for sure was in Goodwill, there's still Goodwill stickers on it. Hmm. And so I could see what Goodwill had these things priced for. And it's amazing. Cause I'll give you an example. Like the other day I was in and I saw a, uh, like an, 
one of those robot vacuum cleaners, but it wasn't oh, yeah. like a brand I'd ever seen before. It wasn't like a, uh, a Roomba or something like, a like that. a private label thing or something. Yeah, it was some, I had never really heard of the, the label before and it kind of looked like the like an old school vacuum, like just the base of a vacuum, but not like the top part of a vacuum, like an old bag bagged vacuum. Like that's kind of what it looked like, but I could tell it was robotic. And so I'm looking at the model, I'm looking it up. And I'm thinking this might be a good find, even if it's for parts, because they have this Goodwill sticker on here for $49.99. So I'm thinking, man, if they're trying to sell this thing for $49 and it's not in the best shape, these things are probably at least a hundred bucks new or, you know, on eBay selling for, I find them on eBay selling in mint condition for like $20. That's right. And I'm like, this, I got my hopes up because I saw the $49.99 and I'm like, if I'm paying for pound for this thing, I'm only probably going to be paying. It's probably like three pounds. Like, that's not bad. I'm going to pay like four or five bucks for it. It's going to sell for $50, $60. No, they sell if they're in good condition for, for $19 or 20 bucks. This thing is in pretty beat up condition and they're wanting $50 for it. I'm like, what is Goodwill thinking? So it's kind of interesting to be able to just see the prices like, and then watch it end up at the bins and just wonder, like, I wonder how many people at Goodwill would have bought this thing if it was cheaper. But instead, they have it marked up at crazy high prices and then it doesn't sell. And instead of lowering their prices and figuring out their business model, they just ship it off the, the bins. Like, it just seems silly to me. It is odd, though, because they do have e-commerce specialists that research. I mean, they've always had that. Like in the back, they're they're always looking stuff up on eBay. So it is odd. Maybe they're getting so much inventory now that some of the stuff isn't researched. They just put a sticker on and and let it go. You know, interesting, interesting. So yeah, I just had my 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 other random story wasn't too much. It's just basically, you know, I had a moment again. You know, when you list something and automatically you start getting offers, and I was like, oh no, oh no. And this time, luckily, you didn't call me like last time. I'm just giving you our time. Remember with the railroad lantern? Like right when we were talking on the phone, this item sold and I undersold the railroad lantern. Well, this time it was manga. And I had listed a bunch of manga. I these these were first print, uh, one piece gold foil. And and you know, I'd seen some go for 50 to 100 bucks, and I got like 20 something of these. Crazy haul. Okay. So I I didn't want to do any more research. I'm like, uh, they're probably worth like 50 to 100 a piece. And so I put it at like 200 bucks and then I put it on sale. I went to a hundred and then a couple people sent me offers right away for 75, 80 bucks for one book. And I'm like, Oh, wait a second. There's something up to this. So I did my research, which I should have done. And sure enough, these books sell for 150 to 175 a piece. And so I'm like in a race against time, like updating, updating, updating. One of them said that, it was like in some, like I couldn't update it because it was part of a sale. I'm like, did this sell already? So I ended the listing, ended. So luckily I fixed all my prices. So be careful. It's always a warning. When, when, when you get offers right away on something, I would say most of the time that tells you that you've underpriced something. And, and most of the time it's a reseller trying to buy something from you for them to sell. I had the same thing happen with those Pokemon boxes. Uh, I also had, you know, people messaging me when I started posting the manga books. So like, no one's going to pay that much. And then the next day, somebody would pay full price. Like, you, you just got to do your research. And sometimes there are there are legitimate people that will message you on eBay trying to help you. But you just you got to sort it out because I've had some resellers, you know. I, I'm a believer that there's most resellers are good people, but there, there are some resellers that are just, you know. People get after me. There's people that are worse than me when it comes to trying to get a deal. And so, you know, you just got to be careful out there. But luckily I caught it. And uh, yeah, now now hopefully they'll sell. Hopefully I didn't list them for too high. So there we go. Nice. Hey, by the way, if you're listening and you're like, hey, I, you know, I want to see some of these stories that Orlando talks about or that Mike talks about. We document a lot of this on social media. So if you haven't been following us, social media, we're Pearsall Cast on all platforms. We are uh, Pure Hustle Podcast, Pure Hustle Podcast on all platforms, where Pure Hustle Cast on X, formerly no, formerly known as Twitter, uh, you can always give us a call. Still Twitter. <laughs> you can give us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at 
purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. That's purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. Got some cool hustles of the week that have come through in the email. So great way. We also love playing on air. So if you want to call us, call us. Uh, thank you to all of you that listen to the podcast. Can you do us a favor and jump on over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button uh, and smash that like button and hit that bell notification uh, just so it helps us grow on the YouTube. Uh, and if you don't listen to us but you watch us on YouTube and you haven't yet subscribed, ask you to subscribe. And as always, thank you to all of you that leave an iTunes review. Always grateful. We are the most listened to, most reviewed uh, reselling podcast out there. Thanks to everyone. Uh, and it's always great to communicate to people why you listen. And uh, last of all, if you want to help us out uh, and support us financially, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pierce podcast. You can go to the link below and for five fifty five a month, you can help support the podcast. Uh, Cause you know, even right now our ad revenue <laughs> has been tied up for, is it, are we going on three months now, Mike? Uh, yeah, I think so. Something like <laughs> so, that. It's so, not great. Yeah, it hasn't been hasn't been great. So, every time you help us out on Patreon, it definitely helps us out. So, jump on over uh, to the link below for five fifty five a month. And the bonus of it, you get to jump into the Purosa Podcast Discord community, a great community of resellers. Uh, people aren't there to flex. People are there to share with one another, celebrate with one another, and uh, it, a lot of solidarity going on. So, check us out there on Patreon. All right, you ready to talk about some important things? Let's do it. The Wall Street and collectibles. More AI is coming to eBay, and we discuss the OfferUp re-commerce report. All of this and more on Reseller News. Orlando, take it away. All right, so I knew this was coming, and we've talked about this. Actually, a hustle of the week we're going to share with next week is somebody who was strapped for cash, right? They, they needed to pay for their storage unit. Uh, they needed to pay some bills. And so they're like, I don't care. Just, just, I just want to get rid of it. I'm willing to sell, you know, give me, give me a price. Right. And that's happening. And I, and actually now there's, you know, wall street, uh, journal had an article about collectors that are like, Hey, the, the ride was fun, but now all my money's tied up and I need to move this stuff. So I share some stories here from the article. One is uh, this guy, Mitch uh, Beck, took more than 23 years to amass his collection of New York Rangers memorabilia. Now he's putting it up for sale to tackle his growing six-figure debt. Right? That's wild. Right? Another one, uh, in a, going actually going on with the story, it says, collectors like Beck say they don't have a choice. Their budgets have been pinched by inflation and unexpected setbacks, and their debts are mounting just as higher interest rates make the cost of carrying the debt overwhelming. Okay, Another, another reseller uh, who is selling uh, Barbies, let me see, let me go to that one. Uh, uh, Anurita Labor, 29, owns more than 300 Barbies. The Connecticut resident has sold dolls from her collection for living expenses such as rent and electricity when necessary. Now with Barbie stock high, she's ready to part with the collection she began in the late 1990s. As a child in India, uh, Lubier plans to list for $5,000 in hopes of using this as a security deposit for a new apartment. So those are just some of the stories from this Wall Street Journal. And I'm like, wow, like this is where we're at right now. Right. And, and we talked about this, how there may be sunshine around the corner. And part of that may be that there's going to be buying opportunities. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, are just offloading inventory. And as Mike has said before, if you can hold on, right. This may, this can work out for you at the end. If you have the capital. <laughs> oh my God, I was waiting for you. <laughs> Okay. Oh, there you go. That's all. I was waiting for you. To, I was waiting for you to share with us your life lesson of holding on to things and and riding the market and you know all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I uh, was gonna do that and then I had some. Uh, you were breaking up a little bit on mine. It's gonna come out perfect on okay. the uh, the podcast. I was adjusting my <laughs> my internet speed here, but we're good now. All right, we're good. We're good. But anyways, I want to encourage you guys out there. Look for those deals and don't buy every deal. Right. Do the research because you may think you're getting a deal and then you research and the market is down and there's always another opportunity around the corner. So that's what I took from that. And be careful, too, that you don't end up buying somebody else's junk that they're unable to sell. And now you're stuck with it. Right. This is one of one of our warnings we give all the time uh, when resellers, just like Mike and I, uh, you know, we, we don't do this much, but. Uh, sometimes there are resellers out there that they're like, oh, I'm doing a whatnot auction or I'm selling my store. And the reality is they just can't sell this stuff. 
And so they're looking for somebody else to buy it out at liquidation prices. So be careful with what's out there. All right, this next one, I don't know where you land on this one, Mike. So I'm kind of fascinated. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, lately we've talked about how eBay and their AI uh, integration into the app has been kind of, eh, you know, you know, right now, if you, you list via the app, right, you can hit, choose, you know, list with AI and it gives you like this three paragraph like description of an item, which doesn't actually work. That's not the way uh, you should be listing on eBay uh, because eBay needs to be mobile friendly, needs to be short and to the point. So let me read the story. This comes from The Verge. Uh, title is eBay shoppers are about to see more AI generated AI generated product listings says eBay will give sellers the option to create entire product listings from just a photo using a generative AI tool. The company announced on Thursday, and so this is September 7, uh, eBay believes the AI-driven product listings will accelerate the selling process, especially for new merchants who might feel overwhelmed by the details they need to provide. The new tool uses pictures uploaded by, by sellers to fill in details like a product title, description, item category, and other key information a buyer might want to know. Right now, it's available only in the iOS app, uh, according to TechCrunch, but will be available on Android in coming weeks. Just want to share one more paragraph here. Uh, they commented, having played around with the earlier version of the tool, this is what Mike and I have shared, uh, I have to agree. When I experimented with it, the result was stilted cliche language that added more words, but nothing very useful. My initial description included a note about the condition of a vintage clothing item and a misleading size tag. But the AI tool removed that information that a potential buyer would probably want to know. In the end, the AI description tool didn't save me any time. And if left without edits, I'd expect a complaint from whoever ends up purchasing. Now, that's the old one. The new one is a new tool that's being implemented. I guess you upload a photo and automatically it's going to like fill out the item specifics, give you a product tile and give you a description. Yeah. So my thought with AI, I'm, I think I'm bullish on AI. I think the AI is going to continue to improve. Um, I don't know if I'm optimistic about what that means for society and culture and us. Like we just don't know, you know, like who knows, but, I look at it like this, like AI is going to be one of those things. Like, cause when it first came out, like it's impressive. A lot of the things I use it a lot at school for a lot of things, like there's a lot AI can do. It's very impressive, but either one of two things is going to happen. One, we've kind of like found the edge of like what we can accomplish. And this is like, wow, this is this really cool thing. Uh, but we're not going to go any further. And this is just what it's capable of or it's going to continue to exponentially improve in its ability to do things like whatever mm. those things happen to be. It's like, I, I think about like uh, examples are like the internet. When the internet first came out, it was kind of just kind of fun and novel. Some people got how powerful it was going to be. And then it totally reshaped culture. It is reshaped everything about our daily lives. Like nothing is the same since the internet. So AI could be that, or it could be like, I think of like self-driving cars. You know what I mean? Where Self-driving cars, the idea of self-driving cars, how long has that been out and have they been working on it? It's like now Google has one. It hasn't changed anything. Like there, it really has not made it. It's more of a novel thing than anything. So I don't think that's going to be AI. I think a lot of people have that mindset of like, eh, it's kind of cool, but it's cliche. It gives, it gives kind of silly uh, descriptions and it's not really useful for what I need it for. But I think that might be naive in the sense of, Right now, that might be the case. But if AI continues to improve at the, the rate that it's improving, mm -hmm. what seems kind of like out of place and silly now is people trying to figure out and the system's trying to figure out how to best make this stuff work. And it, it happens so rapidly. Change happens so rapidly with these programs that a couple years from now, the things that they're implementing, like I just think about like video games. Like look at video games. They first came out and what we thought was decent graphics versus like video games today and it's like wait a minute this is like this is great i think that kind of difference in just a couple of decades of video games i think that kind of difference in the quality of what ai is doing can happen in months like things are happening so fast now things are improving so fast so i wouldn't put it past ai in general and just technology in general to say hey yeah, I can't see it happening with eBay today. I taking a picture and everything working perfectly and it's probably going to have a lot of errors and maybe it doesn't save me any time. But they're working out glitches and they're figuring it out. And I really do think that probably within the next year, two years, three years, probably max, like I think 
everything about our daily life is going to be changed by AI. And I think reselling is going to be impacted too. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, and I, to me, it's with the eBay thing, I do think by, you know, my own, you know, periphery study of AI, that the way that AI exponentially exponentially grows and understands and learns, I think we could be in a place in two years. Hopefully we'll clip this. What minute is this? <laughs> in two years uh, where all we have to do is upload a picture and we don't even have to put the condition. We don't even have to put the flaws. We don't have to do anything. It just but does at the it. same time that yeah, it sounds great. But again, like think about think about how disruptive that could be. What if it's so easy that anybody, the average person, can just like take a picture of a random item and and like a, a cup. They can walk into a thrift store with their phone out. I mean, thrift stores won't even have the stuff to sell like they have now. Garage sales, people who would normally have a garage sale, they can just literally like wave their phone over it and it'll tell you prices of things, yeah, what it's image. selling for on eBay. But, but I'm not saying like Google Image, like you take a picture and you wait. I mean, like you video over top of everything that's ah, sitting on a garage sale and it just it's, it highlights items that are valuable. And then it's within seconds. Those items oh, are already listed. You're scaring me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, that, that, that could that, be. That's the like, kind of stuff. Wow. It, it can make it where our competition is is everybody now. Like it, if it's so easy, then then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the way like, we source yeah. changes. I'm, I'm thinking the scenario in my head where somebody's at home. And they're like, oh, we got a garage sale tomorrow. And somebody goes, no, go use eBay AI. And they scan the room and it automatically lists everything that person has in that room. They didn't have to. They didn't like they just scanned it and it made the listing and it it took care of everything. That would be crazy. So, I mean, I just mean you. I could be optimistic about the like AI improving, but I think it's naive to think like the tools are just going to be beneficial to us. I think like anything, it's going to be the people who figure out how to, how to capitalize and adapt. But I, I definitely think that. Yeah. It I, could I, hurt yeah. us too. It could I hurt hear us you, too. But I'm also a big believer, you know, people were making the same arguments in the 1900s as technology was exploding in the fifties too, where people are like, yeah. Oh, people are going to be out of jobs and, and, you know, we need to, you know, rise together and stop this. And and what ended up happening? Well, more jobs were created, right? Different kinds of jobs, right? Different innovation. And so, you know, it may just be, again, having to adapt and find another way to do things yeah. or finding something know. different to do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would accept that argument. I mean, you look you could say, like, yeah, more jobs have been created. But but you think like as more technology and things like that have come out, what used to be like a, a a family could survive off of a single income. And there's a lot of a lot of factors involved in this. But oh we're gonna get but, into an econ discussion. No, here. no, but we're not I mean, I don't want to go too far into it. Yeah. I'm just saying like what a family, you know, you're saying hundred or fifty years ago, even forty years ago, family with a single income on like basically a minimum wage job could afford a house, could afford all kinds of things. And there's again a lot of factors involved in this. But then you say like, okay, well now we're people are worried that that new things are going to mess up the economy. Oh, don't worry. Look, we have more jobs. Yeah, now there's more jobs. Now you need at least two incomes and the incomes have to be significantly higher to afford the same kind of life. Like yeah, I would hate but- for that to be the case of, of, yeah, look at how much easier everything is now. The AI has done all this stuff. Now you all basically you just need to work all the time. But our government has jobs played a role created. in that too. Oh no, like for the, sure. There's government a lot of factors. interference in the free market has, has brought us to this place. Well, I mean, but anyways, that, 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 that this is a huge but, discussion. Well, that's why I'm saying I don't want to get into all of the politics. So I'm just saying, like, I, I, I don't think we could just say, like, hey, AI, eBay using AI as it gets better is going to just be good for us. I think we've got to be potentially aware of the fact that there's going to be downsides to it. It's going to have an impact on us. So you're not like and, Skynet, but you're like almost Skynet. I mean, no, I don't think I don't think I'd go that far. I just think like we don't we don't know. Like that's the hard part is we don't know the yeah, the, no, the long term ramifications of these things. And so, what is the benefit for us pure hustlers? Right. Well, if you're wise, if you're able to adapt, you're going to do just fine, hopefully, and you'll be able to find ways to to fit into new niches as new niches open up. You're going to be able to find ways to exploit new technologies as new technologies come out. But the reality is that's not everybody. Like think about. Think about the average person in their 50s, 60s who's been reselling for decades, and this is what they know. All of a sudden, you shake up everything. Yeah, it might be maybe we adapt to it, but if not, not everybody's going to be able to adapt to some of the changes. And 
not that it's I'm not going to complain and say it has to be fair for everybody, but we just don't know what the what the impact's going to have on on our society, on our culture, on on reselling, right? So yeah. it, it's weird. It's weird because it's like right now it's it's it almost seems like a game AI, right? It seems like mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. look, they have this new app, this new thing, this new feature that barely does anything, doesn't do anything that I would want it to do, and it's like yeah, but are they working out kinks for stuff that's going to alter what we do as resellers and what we do as humans? Like it's, it's, it's just bizarre to think about. Yeah, It's kind of in the AOL messenger phase, I would say. So you don't right. know, do you know what that is? Oh yeah. Okay. I don't know. I used to get, we're, we're, I used to get the AOL discs uh, at the grocery yeah, yeah, store. But you know, know, back then it was like you would con- converse with somebody online and like, you know, I was a dumb teenager. So I, you know, I, I try to flirt with some random person Right with all my buddies, we're on. Uh, back then, there was this program called Web TV, where it was like a keyboard, and you hooked up your TV to the internet, and you'd mess with people, and it was just fun. It was just games, right? There wasn't really anything serious to the internet back then, but then here we are now in 2023, and the internet's a very serious thing. I mean, we have a podcast because of the internet. Without right. the internet, there would be no eBay, there would be no podcast, there would be no social media. So I get what you're saying. I think we're in the AOL messenger phase right now. Right. So which is and it's crazy how impressive it is at this early stage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, okay. All right. All right. Moving on from that, <laughs> let's take a look. Uh, Offer up had a uh, re-commerce report. I always look forward to this, and I found it. I found it very encouraging. So. OfferUp takes a survey. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, surveys are reliable if you have control groups and so on. And so I'll share with you that control group so people aren't like, oh, this is just uh, OfferUp randomly, you know, calling people. So uh, OfferUp e-commerce report includes research and data from retail analytics from Global Data. Global Data uses consumer surveys, retail tracking, official data, data sharing, store observation, and secondary sources. To analyze, model, and calculate metrics, including market and channel size and market share. Third-party online market research company Polfish conducted a June 2023 survey of 1,500 adults. Additional sources include internal OfferUp community data and independent tech secondary research and you can click on all the resources on the report. So some things from the report here. Uh, I, I thought this was a good thing. 85% of shoppers bought and sold secondhand items in the past year with 27% doing so far for the first time. So that's good. That means, you know, our business is continuing to grow. Uh, 76% of shoppers believe the stigma around secondhand shopping has decreased and 41% said that buying secondhand is a status symbol. Now, it is interesting that they didn't say anything about the stigma of being a person that sells secondhand goods. Like, I wonder if that stigma went down. You get what I'm saying? Like, I I, mean, I don't think I think it, I think the stigma has gone down because now people talk to me like I have a real business, which I do. But, you know, back in the day, it wasn't considered one. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of people, I think OfferUp even is a good example of that in the sense of like when I tell people that I buy things at garage sales and flip them, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I sell things on OfferUp all the time, or I found really? uh, I, I found something on the side of the road and I sold it on OfferUp. And these are just people who have like normal like nine to five jobs that pay pretty well, and and they're so yeah. So when you say like, oh, I do this full time, a lot of people get it because they're like, yeah, I made a ton of money on local deals. So yeah, yeah. No longer am I getting the phone calls like, are you doing okay, Orlando? All right. Um, this other one I thought was good too. Seventy-seven percent of re-commerce. Happens in categories outside of apparel, such as electronics, furniture, home goods, home improvements, sporting goods, outdoor equipment, auto parts. In fact, apparel makes up only 23% of the total e-commerce market. So what that tells me is there's still room to grow in clothing, but you got to be super selective because right now the places that people are buying aren't in apparel. They're actually buying in hard goods. And I see that. Even in my own eBay, what I'm selling, I would say where I went from being an 80% clothing seller, now I'm a 20% clothing seller. And most of the stuff I end up selling are not clothing. Now, that's a, part of that is a choice I've made. But part of it also is what I've been sourcing that has brought more money has been non-clothing apparel. Does that make sense? Right. So I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought that was pretty good. And then this other one, uh, 69% of shoppers have used money earned from reselling items to pay for bills or everyday living expenses. And 39% say reselling has helped them make ends meet. So what this tells me is 
while reselling is is continuing to grow, while it is an advantage for us, there's also the disadvantages that in a hard economy, in a tough economy, downturn economy, there are more people going to reselling, which also is going to create higher competition. So I've always said this from the beginning. What does that mean? That means one, you need to increase what you know. Two, you need to buy lower. You need to keep your costs low. Uh, three, you need to you need to play the game. You need to be willing to do what the you know the everyday random person's like. Oh, eBay, what? I got to do promoted on top of regular fees, or I need to do free returns. Like the everyday person, remember when you first started reselling? Like you wouldn't do returns, you wouldn't take offers, you wouldn't pay. Like no one does, right? In the beginning, because you're like, why would I do that? But as you resell more you see the value in that. So I, I thought that was pretty fascinating the report. And I want to share one more thing here. Uh, this one I thought was pretty good. It says 75% of shoppers find shopping on resale platforms to be just as or more convenient than shopping online. So what that tells me is more people are going to eBay or Amazon or Depop or whatever, instead of just going to Target or Walmart or JCPenney or wherever online store, like the platforms have become just as powerful for people looking for things. Okay, one more thing. And then I want to hear some commentary here. Uh, they said the top reasons people find binding on on online resale platforms more convenient than retail were 70% go to online platforms because they're looking for lower prices and cost savings. 47% are looking for a wider variety and unique items available. And 37% said they're looking for opportunities to discover unexpected treasures. So to me, that all screams eBay, eBay, eBay. You're looking for a deal. You're looking for a unique item. What, what are your thoughts, Mike? I think, I think you're disagreeing here. So it's tough because... I think there are a couple of different types of, of customers, right? So I think okay. I think the average American is shopping Amazon and Walmart and they're shopping big box. Okay. I think there's a population, a, a percentage of the population who's like, you know what? I don't just want Amazon. I want I want unique. I want I want vintage. I want whatever. I think that population that's looking for that stuff are broken into two different categories. The older population who's used to shopping on eBay for certain collectibles, and so they're they just know eBay. And then I think there's the younger population who's looking for vintage stuff. They're looking for the Etsy stuff. They're looking for the Instagram. Like, look at this cute outfit that this girl is wearing. That I want to get the same outfit, but I don't want to look like I'm wearing something from Target. So I need to like buy it from Instagram or Etsy or ThreadUp or one of these stores, Poshmark. So I feel like that whole and and it's been my critique of eBay for a long time now. And I I think it's my same critique. And I know you disagree because eBay is still big. But all of these other platforms, if you look at the percentage of sales that places like Poshmark, Depop, ThreadUp, all of these other companies that have come out now over the the years, even um, uh, whatnot, right? All of these new things. Yeah. Each individual one doesn't compete against eBay, but each individual one has taken a huge slice out of eBay's business. And that all adds up if you add all of those companies together. And I think that as time continues, I just I think about my my students, right? I think about my high school students. I think about college kids. They're not thinking eBay. They're thinking all these other platforms. They're on TikTok, they're on Instagram. And I know you see eBay stuff because that's the algorithm is feeding you, but they're seeing like other things that are like resell that are not eBay. Like that's just eBay is not doing a very good job of connecting to the youngest market. I don't think they are at all. And I think that I, somebody mentioned it in a, a YouTube comment or on discord. I always forget which one, but it, it was, it was good because I've made comments about like, Oh, I saw, I saw an eBay for uh, auto commercial on when I was watching NASCAR. That's so cool that eBay has commercials. And somebody said like, does eBay do any other commercials besides that? It seems like that's what they're pushing. Right? They're, they're trying to push really hard in the auto sphere. But there's already tons of companies that are selling, you know, you know, Rock Auto, all these other things that are selling discount <laughs> prices. Auto, yeah. You know, so it's like 
they're, they've got that market that they're going after. And I think eBay does well there, but I don't think eBay is doing a good job of, of the Gen Z, the Zoomer kids. They're, they're looking at Etsy. They're looking at stores they're finding on Instagram. They're looking at Poshmark, those types of stores. I don't think they're going to eBay. See, I think, I think that may be true. Uh, the, to me, I'm more of like, who is going to buy my stuff? Like I, to me, I'm not as concerned. I, if you look at the data, I don't have the data in front of me. I didn't prep for this discussion in in, in the podcast. But the wealthiest of Americans right now are over forty. The forty year olds, the fifty year olds, the sixty year olds, the people buying the vintage stuff from the '90s, the people buying those things that they couldn't have before. So to me, eBay is still the place if you want to get top dollar. Like Poshmark, to me. You know, if if people want to sell their closet and they want to sell things for, for for cheap, yeah, that's great. Unless you can sell some luxury, uh, Depop, yeah. But if you want to get top dollar, to me, it's eBay. And so, I think there's still a place for eBay. I think it's the place where the wealthiest of Americans go to to buy, as far as vintage stuff. Now, obviously, <laughs> to buy their really nice things, they're gonna go to Sotheby's or you know the real real whatever. But I would say. If you're a reseller and you have collectibles, I, I right now, even now, with all that market share being gone, eBay is still the top place, right? And eBay is actually continuing to establish themselves as the authority as far as in safe buying. Uh, you know, what, what not? We haven't talked about this. Maybe we should have, but they've been plagued with a lot of fraud lately. Um, you know, people... Uh, <laughs> Selling, uh, you know, fake cards or or doing some kind of gambling on there or or people selling breaker packs and the breaker packs have already been broken, like stuff like that. Uh, and, and eBay continues to have its authenticity guarantee. They continue to have their vaults. And so I think in a place of uncertainty right now, I think e <laughs> I feel like eBay should be paying me. But I think eBay is still the, that place that people that have money go to because it's safe. So anyways, for what it's worth. But hey, overall, overall, right, this report should be encouraging to all of us as resellers outside of AI <laughs> that there's still a lot of money to be made in reselling. All right, and that's, that's pretty much all I got for reseller topics. So, uh, you know, but check out the e-commerce report. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there for you to check out. Uh, are you ready to talk about some uh, things that people should be on the lookout for? Yes, 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 yes. We are at the favorite part of the podcast. Bolo, 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 What's your bolo? Bolo. All right. So my bolo is kind of general, but I mean, I guess specific. So uh, we haven't talked a, a ton about um, dishware a little bit. I think we've talked about some, you know, carnival glass and stuff, and we've talked about some some glasses. Uh, one thing that I think is we've mentioned before, but I think it's worth talking about again is uh, Pyrex. Uh, Pyrex is obviously uh, definitely something to look up if you see it out there, especially if it's vintage Pyrex um, and and get to know the different uh, designs. Uh, I'll give you an example, uh, kind of a, a popular design. I and mean, there's a lot of them. There's like the gooseberry. There's um, some various ones, but one that's that's pretty popular. It's the uh, the butter print, also known as like the Amish print. And it kind of has like, it's got like roosters and corn stalks and like a couple of people on it. And it's typically like tur uh, turquoise and white. Like that's, that's what you're, you're typically going to see it. So if you see that print and it's in good shape, you're probably going to do really well. The bolo though is know the typical colors. Like, so like I said, the, the turquoise and white is going to be your, your butter print, your Amish print of your Pyrex. If you happen to find though, one that's like orange or green or pink like a different color than the typical those fetch crazy amounts of money right like those are those are like special rare prints of that print right it's just a different color scheme so just know like if you're out at a garage sale maybe maybe you're like oh here's a print that i know i can sell this dish for 30 bucks and they want a lot of money for it you know you, you don't pick it up but if it's one of those colors it's a different color than normal Definitely be look out for it because uh, it's even worth paying up because you may be able to go from something like the normal butter print uh, bowl might sell for like $29, $30, $39. If it's like an orange one, it's like a special print version of it, just a special color, you might be selling it for a couple hundred dollars. 
Yeah, yeah, and and Pyrex is one of the first things to go at garage sales here. It's still hot yep. out here, so I uh, I've sold some Pyrex in the past. I still have some Pyrex I haven't sold, but yeah, it's, Pyrex does go, does go. So, all right, my bolo. Since we're getting to an election year, an election year which will be in a fun year, <laughs> uh, you know, right now they're on the cheap election items, but if you can find like vintage tees, uh, you can find you know, for example people that were iconic to both parties, right? So I would say, you know, for Republicans, like Ronald Reagan is pretty iconic. For Democrats, Obama is like the the Reagan version of for Democrats, right? Like I just recently sold a pin with Obama, like a 2008 Obama pin, not for, for like 25 bucks, but it was free, right? I, I've sold a lot of like vintage election shirts, uh, whatever you can find. If it's a, about a kind of iconic figures like Obama or... Uh, or Reagan, obviously Trump, but it can't be like mass produced stuff. It has to be like items that are kind of hard to get to, right? Because most campaigns, there's always a ton of mass produced stuff. But if you can find things that are pretty unique uh, to a campaign or tied to a scandal or whatever it is, like I, I think this election year, they're going to go really well uh, because this is going to be a highly, you know, highly contested election. Uh, wherever aisle, wherever part of the aisle you're from, uh, you know, it's it's going to be intense. And so I do think election items are going to go in price. Uh, and so I, I've been stocking up here and there. So we'll see. We'll see how those go. We'll see how those go. So nice. One thing that is always a good buy is American Bubble Boy. So if you haven't yet bought their tape, I think they had a deal. I haven't I haven't checked their deal yet, but American Bubble Boy recently had a deal on their tape. And it was better than even the deal that you could get from our our promo code. If you use our promo code Pure Hustle, uh, you get five percent off uh, on the tape, so you can do, go ahead and do that. But if there is a sale, sometimes they run sales. Like I think at one time they had like you can buy one uh, twenty four pack of tape, and they had one half off. I don't know if they're still running that deal. I'm I'm looking for it right now. Uh, but I, <laughs> for a reason, my my internet is slow while we're recording this. Uh, but yeah, there's always deals on there. So right now, I mean, again, you can't beat the my go-to packing tape, 24 packs, 60 yards uh, clear for $34 free shipping. Like that is a pretty awesome deal. And so check them out if you haven't checked them out yet. If there are no deals there, you can still get 5% off on the tape using our code uh, PureSoul. So check them out. All right, Mike, what are you looking forward to here? Uh, I think next week the uh, temperature out here is supposed to get under 100 Oh, okay, good. It might be, it might, there might be some days in the 80s, which I think makes garage sales more likely, more bearable, and uh, probably more plentiful. So uh, I'm looking forward to actually getting a chance to do some garage sales because as much as the bins has been okay, um, I'm ready for, I mean, the garage sales is the, that's the joy. That's the treasure hunt. That's what yeah, I want to get back to. So uh, hopefully the weather cools and that's where I will be in a Saturday or two. What about you? So I'm looking forward to being done with the mega hall. Um, I, I made a lot of space and I've cleared out a ton of it. So once I'm done with the third stage, I'm, I'm I'll be happy to be done with it and look for the next opportunity. I, I I like you want things to cool down. I'm looking forward to garage sales again, especially those big community sales. I haven't been to one in about a few months, and then uh, I'm gonna start doing some Amazon retail arbitrage. Uh, I I think I I said this last time, uh, but I do think I missed out on profit last year. And, uh, you know, there's always people, despite the economy, there's always people that are looking for certain things and are willing to pay good money for them. So I'm hoping that I can find some things out there for Amazon because I have not done retail arbitrage in at least a year and a half or two. It's been a while. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So, nice. hey, everyone, uh, hopefully you are looking forward to this upcoming uh, Q3, Q4. Hopefully you found a lot of interesting items in this podcast. Appreciate all the support. And uh, with that being said, make sure to be real be relevant and be reselling leads peace <laughs>